Well, hello, JFC. How you guys doing? Hey, before we jump into the message, um, I know that we just watched at all of our locations and online um, a a bit of a a talk about the women's conference that's coming up. It's called He Is, and I just wanted to make an encouragement to all of you men who have daughters or wives uh, or you have friends uh, that are women or maybe you have a girlfriend. um, Get your wife or your girlfriend or whomever that is a female in your life that you uh, really want to dive into the word. Get them to this conference. It's an amazing, life-changing opportunity for all the women in our church. We got one month until the He Is Ladies conference happens, Um, so make sure that you go online and check that out. Okay, enough about that. I wanted to jump into our message. Um, This week, it is week three of our last six series. We're talking about the last six major events that happened in Jesus's life leading up to his death and also his resurrection leading up into Easter is really what it is for us. This week, I get the great pleasure of talking about Jesus's anointing. It's a time, um, a period, a story about Jesus that I think is often overlooked and often not given uh, the emphasis and the oomph that's necessary for us to truly understand what was going on in Jesus's time. Um, And so all of you guys should have had notes given to you on your way in. If you didn't, you can get up real quick and go grab them at the front foyer of everybody's campuses. Um, And as you grab your notes, I just wanted to pray. I like to always just start giving God this time and this opportunity, so ask that everybody at all of our locations would just pray with me. Father, we are so grateful to come into your presence, Lord God, to be able to worship you freely. And Lord, more than anything, I just ask that you would use my words, Lord, but they wouldn't be my words, that your Holy Spirit would move during this weekend, that you would just uh, have your way that we just proclaim the name of Jesus high above all others. And as we look into the life of Jesus and what he did for each and every one of us, Lord God, we give you the opportunity to just penetrate our hearts, Lord, to grab us in any way that you desire. Father, we give you this time um, and we give you everything that we have. We say that we love you, we praise you, and we lift you high above all others. And everyone said, Amen. amen. All right, if you have your notes, you're going to notice uh, Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9, is where you're going to find the story about Jesus' anointing. And uh, before we go any further, I'm actually going to read this story. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version, the ESV. And it says this, starting in verse 3. And it says, While he, Jesus, was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, and he was reclining at a table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. 
Now, if you've ever spent any time in scripture, you've probably read this verse. It's found in three of the gospels, three of the letters that are written by some of Jesus's closest disciples. Um, But I think quite often we read this and we pass it up and we're like, oh, this is really nice that this woman took some time to anoint Jesus before he was gonna die um, for his burial. But I think that there's a few things in here as I read this and as we decided to teach this leading up into the resurrection of Christ, there's a few things that I felt like that God really pointed out to me that are, are things that we need to stop and we need to ponder. We need to think about, we really need to digest for ourselves personally what was actually going on during this period of time. But in order to do that, I think it's really important for us to put this into perspective. I think when we read this story, um, and a lot of times when we read a lot of the Bible, we, we read it removed from the situation. We are 2,000 years after many of these events have happened in the Bible. And it's very hard for us to truly understand and put ourselves into the place of knowing exactly what the Bible's talking about. So I wanted to put into perspective what this woman did for Jesus in the presence of the disciples. Um, but in order to understand that, we need to, order, we need to understand um, what spikenard is. Spikenard is the perfume, it's the fragrance, it's the oil that this woman came to Jesus in his presence with, and you normally keep that in an alabaster flask. So it's something that's, that's held captive, it's, it's tight, um, tightly held, um, and it's imported from India. So, and if you know about the Bible, obviously you know that it's the Middle East, but it's a quite a ways from India. And so spikenard is something that's not easy to come by um, in Israel, and it's also something that's very expensive. In fact, the disciples said, um, when, they, when they scolded this woman, they said, this could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. Now again, many of us don't understand what that means in retrospect, but many of your Bibles actually have footnotes. And if you look at the footnote, you're gonna notice one thing that it says about 300 denarii. A single denarii was about the value or the cost of what a, a day laborer would make in a single day. And so 300 denarii, if you can imagine, is somebody that works as a day laborer, it's about a year's worth of their income. So this woman had a year's worth of income of precious perfume and oil that she had had, that she had stored up seemingly for retirement. Many people use this oil. They would, they would actually um, buy it and purchase it in small amounts, and they would capture it so that one day when they retired, they would have something to be able to retire on. It's kind of their nest egg, if you will. I think that makes a whole lot more sense for us these days. But this woman walked into the presence of Jesus, and she took her nest egg, She took her retirement. She took something that was seemingly the most valuable thing that she had, and she poured it out on Jesus as an anointing. Now, there's three specific things that I felt like the Lord showed to me in this scripture that I think are very important for each and every one of us to capture about our relationship with Christ and how that should look like this woman's And the first one you'll find in your notes, and it says this, Jesus is looking for people to go all in. Jesus is looking for people to go all in. Well, what does that mean? Okay, well, that's, that's kind of a, it's a poker term, right? It's the idea of whenever you're playing poker, you have a certain amount of chips, and if you feel so strongly that you're gonna be able to win, you do what's called going all in. You take everything you have and you put it into the pot because you say, I know that I can come out winning this thing. You know, going all in is saying, I reserve nothing back. I leave nothing withheld from this process. And Jesus is saying, I am looking for people who are going to do that exact thing. And that is take everything that they have and go all in with it. 
Well, it's easy to think about that financially, um, but I think that there's a greater understanding of going all in than just a poker understanding or just an understanding of finances. Um, but I think it's very, under, it's very important for us to recognize the difference between something that is charitable and something that is costly. You see, I think in our Western world, many times we think that about the idea of charity and we think about giving to charity. We think that charity is one of those things that, that um, maybe it's the church or maybe it's, it's a nonprofit organization or maybe it's somewhere that does good in this world and we say, you know what, I can help do good. I could give a few dollars here. I could give a little bit of time there. I could give a little bit of myself here. You know, I could give some of my time and my attention and whatever I have, I can give to this and I could do it in a place, in a way that's charitable. And those are great things. It's good to be charitable. It's good to give out of the gratefulness and thankfulness and the goodness of your heart. But there's something very different. There's a line that's drawn between giving as charity and giving that which is costly. You see, Jesus is not looking for people to just give charity. You know, I think sometimes we like to pat ourselves on the back whenever we give charity, right? We give a few dollars here to this, we give a few dollars here to that, we give a little bit of time to this, we give a little bit of time to that, a little bit of our energy to this, a little bit of our energy to that. Well, that's charity, and we like to pat ourselves on the back and make ourselves feel really good that we're being charitable, but what Jesus is saying is, in relationship with him, charity is not what he's looking for. Mm, Giving him just a little bit, just enough to make ourselves feel good, is not what Jesus is looking for. Jesus is looking for people that are willing to give something that is costly to him. As we just read in this story, there was a woman who understood this and comprehended the fact that Jesus is not somebody that just needs a little bit of charity to keep going. Jesus is somebody who is worth giving everything that I have. In fact, this woman knew how great Jesus was that she honored him with giving what was seemingly the most valuable thing that she had. Now I want to challenge you with a thought though, as you think about this, and as you sit and you listen at all of our campuses, or you sit and you listen online, or maybe you listen to this later on, I want you to ask yourself the question, what is the most valuable thing that I have in my life? What is it that would be a costly sacrifice for me. Maybe it is money. Maybe money is one of those things, it's the hardest thing for you to let go of, but it's the most costly thing when you give it. Maybe it's your time. I think many of us, especially in the Western world that we live in, our time is a very valuable and a very rare commodity, and it's something that we hold on so tightly. But what if Jesus is saying, you know what, am I worth your time? Am I worth more than just you giving a little bit of time on a weekend to come to church? But am I worth you giving that which is costly, which sometimes hurts, which sometimes doesn't make sense? You see, I think in this story and in this understanding, we recognize, specifically in verse 3, that what this woman did was not charitable. Jesus didn't sit there at the table as he was reclining and give her the golf clap. Thank you very much. Right? (laughs) No, Jesus says what she did was costly. And are you doing anything in your life right now that may be costly to you, but may mean everything to Jesus? 
I think it's important for us to constantly check our lives against what Scripture tells us we are supposed to do, what we're called to do as Christians, not to just accept Jesus' sacrifice for us, but what we do in our lives with that fact that he has given everything for us. And I believe that Jesus is calling us as his people to give him everything. We see a couple examples of this in the Bible. Two of them are actually in the book of Luke. Luke um, was a doctor, as many of you guys know, and he took great account of the story of what was going on when Jesus was living. And so there's two stories. One, I think, is written in your notes, and it's about the widow's mites, but I want to jump back two chapters, actually three chapters, before the widow's mite. And it's, uh, it's a parable, or not a parable, it's a story about the rich young ruler found in Luke chapter 18. And now I'm not going to read it, but if you have notes or you're taking notes, I want you to write down Luke chapter 18 verses 18 through 25, and I want you to go back home after this weekend, and I want you to go read this. Because in this story, what happens is a rich young ruler walks up to Jesus, and he says, what can I do to inherit eternal life? You guys heard this story before? And what does Jesus say to him? He says, okay, here's a couple of the laws that you need to keep. You need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, okay? Go back and read it. I'm just very quickly paraphrasing. And And the rich young ruler's like, oh man, this is great. I'm in. I'm doing all those things. And Jesus said, wait. He says, you don't just need to do those things. He says, you need to take everything that you have and you need to sell it and you need to give the proceeds that you get to the poor and you need to come and follow me. Now, scripture tells us something very interesting. Luke recounts something very interesting in this scripture because he says, the man walked away sad because he was very wealthy. I believe the inference in this scripture is the fact that the man said, what I have to me means more to me than I can actually let go to give to you. You see, Jesus was not worried about this man just giving all of his money. Jesus didn't want this man's money. What Jesus wanted was this man. But the thing that this man held on to tighter than anything else in his life was his money. And therefore, the sacrifice that Jesus asked him to make was one that was going to be costly, one that he would actually have to count the cost. If I'm going to do this, I have to go all in with it. But the Bible tells us that the man walked away sad because he was very wealthy and he was unwilling to give. Now, let's take that story and let's compare it or contrast it with the story three chapters later in Luke chapter 21. And this is the story about the widow's mites. Now, this is in your notes. And again, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to paraphrase it. But it's something that's very vastly different, the perspective that Jesus tells this story in. Because what happens is, is Jesus is sitting with the disciples at the temple. And after a conversation that they have, he's sitting there watching people walk into the temple. And he's watching very wealthy men walk in and give, you know, give $100 here. Maybe they'll give $1,000 there. And then he watches this widow walk into the temple and give what it says is two mites. Now, I actually looked it up. Two mites is one, one mite is one 136th of a denarii. Now, we looked and we we obviously just talked about the fact that a denarii is the the, the, um, wage for one day's work. Well, a mite is one 136th of that. So you guys do the math of how valuable this mite is. It's not worth very much. But this woman, this widow, had only two mites. 
And Jesus walked as all these wealthy men were walking into the temple and giving their money. And then he watched this woman who all she had was two mites and she gave it into the plate, into the offering, whatever it is. Maybe they have boxes on the walls like we did. I don't know what it is. (laughs) And Jesus says this. As everyone around watched, he said, did you guys see that? They're like, yeah, that wasn't much, huh? And Jesus says, what that woman did was far more valuable than what every other man in front of her gave. Why? Because she gave that which was costly to her. She recognized the reality that God was worth everything that she had. That these men that walked and they gave money and whatnot, it didn't hurt them to do that. It was easy for them. They had plenty. They had wealth beyond your imagination. But this woman gave so little, but so much at the same time. You see, I think looking at these stories and comparing and contrasting them, Jesus is not looking just for our money. Okay, you may be like, well, Jesus, all he wants is our money. No, Jesus doesn't want your money. If he wanted your money, two two mites would mean nothing to him, right? He doesn't want your money, but he wants you. And I think for many of us in this world and in this life that we live in, money is the thing that we hold on to so tightly that has us. And if money has us, Jesus can't have us. So I think what he's saying is that this is far more important than just money. I'm not looking for people just to empty their bank accounts to me. I'm looking for people who are willing to give that which is costly, to go all in. This was done, what this woman did, who anointed Jesus, it was done out of a great love, a lavish love that she had for her Lord and her Savior. Point number two. In relationship with Jesus, nothing is too much. In relationship with Jesus, nothing is too much. Let's jump back up into Mark 14. We're going to look at verses 4 and 5. Let's read that real quick. It says, there were some who said to themselves indignantly. Now, I want you to know, these people, when it says themselves, it's talking about the disciples. The ones who walked closely with Jesus for three years of his life, they're sitting with him and they still don't get it. Because they sit there and they say to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And guess what they did? The Bible tells us that they scolded her. That this woman who walked into the presence of Jesus and gave everything that she had, that which was costly, she poured it out over his head. And the disciples, the people who had actually witnessed and partaken in the ministry of Christ for three years, looked at her and they said, what a waste. You know what's funny when I read this? I realized that if we actually do what we just said to do in point one, go all in, there's much of the world and many people around us that will look at us and they say, that's crazy. They will look at us and they will say, what a waste of your life. What a waste of your money. What a waste of your time. You could have used that so in so many more places for such great value. But yet you're giving it to the church. You're giving it to Jesus. 
You're doing this and that. And I'll tell you all the great things that I do on my weekend while I'm not sitting in church, right? You see, there's a shift that happened when this woman recognized who Jesus was. And that shift came in her mind that she realized that there was no such thing as too much for Jesus. There there was nothing that was too much to give to him. There was no such thing as a wasteful sacrifice to him. Because in the presence of Jesus, who has given us everything, everything would still not be too much for us to give to him. It's the difference between wasteful and lavish. I love that word lavish. That word lavish is one of those things, it's extravagant, right? It's like, when you think the word lavish, you think of something that's, that's um, abundant, th- something that's just over the top, something that's just like, maybe from the outside it just seems crazy, right? But if you were to do it, you're like, man, lavish, I lavishly love my spouse. And here's how I lavishly love my spouse, right? I lavishly love this, or I lavishly love that. Well, that word lavish, as we walk it out in our lives, can many times seem very wasteful, to those from the outside, but when we do it from the heart in relationship with somebody else, it doesn't matter what people think about what I do with my time or with my energy or with my money. If I wanna bless my wife, I don't care what anybody else says about it or what anybody else thinks about it. I'm gonna do it because I love her. I lavishly love her. From the outside, it may look wasteful, but from the inside, it's never too much. So I was actually looking up You'll see in your notes, I said, illustration, extravagant gift giving. I actually looked up online some of the most extravagant gifts ever given from one person who loved another. And I think it's really interesting because initially as we look from the perspective in the eyes, just financially, we would think about many of these things as just a waste. What a stinking waste of money. But if you're the person who's giving this gift... I hope and I would believe that you're giving it out of the lavish love that you have for somebody. So I'm going to read a couple of these. I think they're a lot of fun. Tom Cruise, everybody's like, huh, I know it. $20 million he spent on a Gulfstream jet to give to Katie Holmes when they got married. Seems like a waste, right? He does have the money to spend, so. How about this, a $5 million ring that Jay-Z gave to Beyonce? How about a $400,000 pink Bentley that Paris Hilton gave to herself? <laughs> it's funny because we all know that she, loves, she lavishly loves herself, right? <laughs> How about a $200,000 space ride that Katy Perry gave to Russell Brand when they got married? Okay, those all seem extreme examples, right? Those all seem foolish, a waste of money, and whatnot. Well, how about this? Let's put it back into your ballpark. How about those of you who have bought a 200 or a 300 or a 400 or a $500,000 plus house for your family? How about those of you who have bought a 25,000 or 35,000 or 45,000 plus vehicle for your spouse? How about those of you men bought your wife a multi-thousand dollar diamond ring when you got married when you had nothing? Right? You know, it seems crazy when we talk about $20 million for a Gulfstream jet, but how about when you just emptied your savings account to get this ring for the woman that you love? 
How about a $2,000 vacation, or a $1,000 television, or a $500 trip that you give to your spouse to just go out and have fun? How about $100 for dinner? What's too much? How much is just over the top? When you draw the line to say this is a waste or this is not a waste, the reason I say these things, it's easy for us to put monetary amounts on some of these things and kind of get a value to it, but the reality is, is if you lavishly love somebody, there's no such thing as too much. There's no such thing as giving that person too much. You know, if you're not married, maybe you don't understand this, maybe you don't recognize this, maybe you can't grasp it, but I hope and pray that every person that is married in this room can recognize that in relationship with somebody, there is no such thing as too much. And I think it's the same with Jesus. Because in relationship with Jesus, nothing is too much. And that's why the world looks at it differently. Because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. So they say from the outside, what a waste. And I say, well, you're not in relationship with him. So you don't know. Just like somebody could say, if I go spend $100 on dinner with my wife, what a waste. I'm like, well, you're not married to her. It would be a waste for you. And I'd slap you in your head if you did it too. <laughs> but it's not a waste for me. Because I lavishly love her. You see, it changes. The paradigm changes when you recognize that it's relationship. So maybe money's not the most valuable thing that you have. Maybe it's not the most valuable commodity. Well, then how about these things? Think about the lavish love that you have for any of you who, have had, who has a child that has spent hours on something, uh, an art project to give to you because that's all they have. How about when I turned 30, my wife threw me a birthday party, and that birthday party was far more important to me than the money that was spent on the birthday party. It was important because of the time and energy and effort she put into doing it, and it was also important to me because I had a group of friends that loved me enough to take their valuable time and come to my house and celebrate with me. You see, it's not just money. Whatever that valuable commodity you may have, Jesus is saying, do you love me enough to give it to me? Because there's no such thing as too much. Moving on. There's two questions that everyone must answer in this life. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time because I think many of you have already answered these. The first one is, is who is Jesus? In verse 6, Jesus says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. To her... Jesus was somebody worthy of doing a beautiful thing too. But who is Jesus to you? You've heard Pastor John say before, Jesus can be that spiritual Santa Claus. He can be the one when we need something in this life, we pray for a gift, we pray for getting out of a situation, we pray for this or pray for that, and the only time we go to him is when we need something from him as a gift. Is he a spiritual Santa Claus? Do you look at Jesus as somebody that you could just get stuff from? Or do you look at Jesus as your savior, king, your judge, your Lord? One that not just, it's about who I can get something from, but who I can give something to? You see, it changes what we do. The answer to this question will determine what we do in our lives, what we do with our lives, what we do with those rare, valuable commodities. And the second question that everyone must answer is what do I want to be remembered for? 
I think one of the most astonishing things in this passage of scripture, in this story that's told, is Jesus says what this woman did will be told throughout history every time I'm talked about. That's amazing to me. Jesus says, this was so important to me. This blessed me so much. This meant so much that everywhere that I'm talked about, she'll be talked about. How would you like to be on that level with Jesus? To where everywhere that he goes, he talks about you. That he's like, yeah, I gave my life for you, but do you know what this woman did for me? Because she loved me so much. You see, I believe that Jesus wants to do that for all of us. I believe that as we walk in relationship with him, and as we go all in with him, and as we truly adjust our minds to believe that there's nothing too much, what Jesus wants to do is he wants to give you honor and give you blessing. And he wants wants to raise you up into levels that you could never even imagine in what you do and who you are. But it requires great sacrifice to get to that point. You see, Jesus never made that statement about any of his disciples, people who had walked with him for three years but he made that statement about a woman who would walk in and one time she anointed him. What was the difference? She got it. He's worth everything. He's worth everything. So why did he tell that story? Because he wants all of us to know who listened to this message that he is worth everything. He didn't just give everything. He's worth everything. And now the heart of what I believe This passage of scripture says, and it's found in verses seven and eight. Let's see if you could pull it out before I even say it. It says, for you always have the poor with you and wherever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Jesus is looking for a fragrant offering and sacrifice. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, you'll see it in your notes, and it says, and walk in love as Christ loved us, what's it say? And gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus gave his life as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God for those of us who could not get to heaven by ourselves, which is all of us. He broke his body and he poured his life out on the cross, physically and spiritually, for every person in this room, every person at every one of our campuses, every person listening online, every person in this world. He gave his life for them. He broke it and he poured it out. What's amazing about this passage of scripture is we read about a lavish love that this woman had where she broke the jar and she poured it over Jesus and gave everything she had to him because he had broken, he was going to break his life and pour his blood out and give everything he had for her. And are you willing to take that which is costly, that which means everything to you and break it and pour it out to him as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to the Lord? I'm gonna wrap this up. You see in your notes that there's a statement, and it has a blank. And it says, as Jesus blank, he smelled the perfume and remembered the woman. 
I don't know a whole lot about spikenard, but I did a little bit of research as I was preparing for this message. One thing I realized is spikenard is extremely expensive still 2,000 years later. It's like $125 an ounce or something like that. But I also learned that spikenard is a very potent, pungent aroma. It has a great aroma to it, great to some people maybe, but it's very strong odor. And what this woman did is she broke this flask of oil and poured it over Jesus. Now you gotta remember, as you look behind me, you recognize there's just a few events in Jesus' life left. There's only a few days left in his life. It's not like he was going and taking a shower that night and getting all the aroma off of him. As I read this and I recognized and realized that as Jesus walked through the rest of his life, he would smell the aroma that was poured over his body. As Jesus was betrayed, as Jesus was arrested, as Jesus was imprisoned, as Jesus was denied by his own disciples, as Jesus was beaten and scourged, as Jesus was whipped and ultimately put on that cross, I can only imagine that every once in a while he would get the aroma of the oil that was poured over him. And he would remember of the lavish love that this woman had. That he would remember and recall, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, they say that the sense of smell is one of the greatest things that we have to trigger, the greatest senses that we have to trigger emotions and memories. Can you imagine Jesus on the cross, sweating, crying out to his heavenly father, and then smelling the aroma and saying, it's worth it. It's worth it. Jesus is calling us as his people to give a sacrifice and an offering that which will be a pleasing aroma to him. Just as that woman is remembered, he will remember you. That there will be one day when you will stand in front of him and you will say, I gave you this or I gave you that or maybe I just withheld it all. But what Jesus is looking for is people that are willing to go all in. I'm going to invite our worship teams up and we're going to pray. And I thought, you know what? What a great way to respond. I don't know that there's a better way to respond than with our senses, right? I think that's what we're used to operating with in this world, in our lives. So here's what we've done at all of our campuses and all of our locations. This weekend, here's how we're going to respond. At every one of the candle stations, we've replaced candles with small bowls of eucalyptus oil. Eucalyptus oil smells very strong. It's got a very strong stench and aroma to it. It smells good, it doesn't smell bad, but it's very potent. And so what we're going to do after we pray is we're going to all stand to our feet and we're going to enter into a time of worship, but I want you to get up from your seat through this process. And I want you to walk up to the candle station and I want you to dip your finger in that oil and I want you to smell the smell. I want you to even maybe be bold enough to wipe it on your neck and walk around. And then I want you to go take communion. If you are a believer, I want you to go take communion. We have self-serve at every location. 
And as you take communion, I want you to smell that smell, and I want you to know that as Jesus was on that cross, he smelled a fragrant aroma from that woman. And he said, it is worthy of me giving my life for people like this woman who will give everything that they have to me. And then I want you to walk back to your seat, and I want you to ask the Lord, what am I supposed to give you? Would you pray with me? Father, we give you this time. We praise you, and we lift you up high above all others, and we say that you are worthy, Lord God, of a great sacrifice. Father, you are worthy of everything that we have. Just as your word tells us that you gave your life up as a pleasing, fragrant aroma and sacrifice to God, Lord God, we give you our lives as a pleasing sacrifice to you. Father, we say we love you. You are worth it all. God, you are worth it all. You're worth our money and you're worth our time. God, you're worth our minds and our hearts and our lives. And as we respond to you, Lord, during this time, you can have all of us. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet and respond?